This week's episode of The Amazing Nerd Show is sponsored by Stamps.com. Since 1998, Stamps.com has been an indispensable tool for nearly one million businesses. Stamps.com brings the services of the U.S. Postal Service and UPS shipping right to your computer. Whether you're an office sending out invoices or a side hustle Etsy shop or a full-blown warehouse shipping out orders, Stamps.com will make your life easier. Listeners, all you'll need is a computer and standard printer. No special supplies or equipment needed. Within minutes, you're up and running, printing official postage for any letter, any package, anywhere. And you'll get exclusive discounts on postage and shipping from USPS and UPS. Once your mail is ready, just schedule a pickup or just drop it off. No traffic, no lines. Really cut the confusion out of shipping. With Stamps.com's new Rate Advisor tool, you can compare shipping rates and timelines to easily find the best option. You can save time and money with Stamps.com. There is no risk. And with our promo code POD, you get a special offer that includes a four-week trial plus free postage and a digital scale. There's no long-term commitments or contracts. Just go to Stamps.com, click on the microphone at the top of the homepage, and type in POD. That's Stamps.com, promo code P-O-D. That's Stamps.com. Never go to the post office again. Nerds, it's time to suit up or shut up. Launching badass rockabilly track. ANS Protocol is active, now uncovering the space criminal underground. Time to save the world with some wrestling, video games, movies, horror, and more. Launching ANS in 3, 2, 1. Welcome to the Amazing Nerd Show. Hey, this is Christian. Hey, this is Damon. And this is the Amazing Nerd Show. All right, Christian, congratulations to us. This is our 200th episode. Um, I can't believe we've somehow made it this far. I haven't killed you yet. Um, I feel like I should get a trophy or something. I don't have a speech prepared, though. (laughs) Uh, We're not doing a huge celebration uh, for the 200th episode. Uh, We're going to save that for our four-year anniversary, which is actually right around the corner. Uh, but, you know, we just wanted to thank all the fans for, you know, supporting us. We're actually coming off our most successful month download-wise in the nice, show's nice. history. So uh, thank you for that. We do have a couple things planned for that upcoming anniversary show. So be on the lookout for, you know, a couple announcements. Uh, but we do have an announcement for this week, Christian, right? That's right. I mean, we call ourselves the nerd hub for all things pop culture. So it only made sense that we actually built a nerd hub for all things pop culture. We're built. (laughs) Makes sense, right? (laughs) Exactly. We're bringing you guys a website. That's right. AmazingNerdShow.com is coming to all you folks um, probably when this episode drops. So uh, make sure you check out the website when you get an opportunity. It's pretty much all of the show in one place. So yeah, basically, if you're a fan of the show, this is going to be the site for you. You'll be able to see all the upcoming news stories that we're going to be talking about. We'll probably have previews for the upcoming shows. So everything Amazing Nerd Show related will be all on one nice convenient site. And this is just the start of the website, so we will be building onto it further in the future, putting more of the stuff that goes into the show onto the website. It's 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 a daunting task, but I will get it done. Yeah, no, it's definitely a work like in progress, so be patient. Yes. But, I mean, I've seen what he's got going on so far. And I got to say, I mean, compared to other podcast websites, I mean, it's pretty nice. So uh, definitely go ahead and check it out. The link will be in the show notes. We do have plans of also like putting kind of a community forum up on the site um, where, you know, listeners of the show could come and like, you know, 
give us feedback or ask any questions they have because right now a lot of people reach out to us but it's kind of like all over the place on different like social media (laughs) platforms uh so it'd be nice to have like one collective group where people can go and it could also be a good place for you know you guys to you know get to know each other Yeah, i really do need like a group of you guys to you know investigate and keep an eye on my life because at any moment damon could strike and i you know there's only so (laughs) many places he can hide the body all right you'll never see me coming christian (laughs) (laughs) but until that's up and running uh if you do have any questions for the show uh go ahead reach out to us at amazing nerd show that's on all your social media platforms i think the only thing we're on not on is like tiktok right i didn't really know what that is to be honest uh i don't think we need to be on tiktok it's fine you don't want to do little dances or whatever (laughs) that's what they do on tiktok right is that the thing yeah no we don't need to do little dances (laughs) maybe that's what the kids want to see they want to see christian dancing i don't know (laughs) no man it would be you with your figures dancing around all right hey man whatever (laughs) don't worry about what i do alone in my basement So speaking of which, we did get a really nice email from a listener uh, this past week, and I thought I'd just go ahead and share it, you know, on the podcast because we do appreciate when you guys reach out to us. So uh, this comes from Ace Forestry, and I apologize, Ace, if I'm butchering your last name, Uh, but it reads, Hello there, I just wanted to say I love the pod. I'm fairly new to it as I've only been listening since episode 185. I was the one who asked you to do the James Bond review. Thank you very much for doing that. I enjoyed listening to that review. Your podcast has helped me start one of my own on Podbean. It's small, but you have helped me with the inspiration for it. Once again, I really enjoy listening to the podcast and I'm looking forward for more to come. No, thanks for reaching out to us. You know, it's awesome to think that anything I've created has inspired someone else to create something else because that's how I kind of got into content creation is just so much influence from all the people I've been watching over the years and listening to. So it's it's awesome to think that I'm passing that on. Oh, so now you create the show on your own. Is that the story we're telling? That's the story. Oh, yeah. That's revisionist history at best, my friend. (laughs) The only reason you're co-hosting is because you had microphones. (laughs) <laughs> and some some time recording things. Uh, uh-huh, uh-huh. <laughs> uh, if anyone's looking to co-host a show with me, uh, just go ahead and reach out. DM us yes. at Amazing Nerd Show. Prepare to walk him through audition once a month. <laughs> <laughs> I'm old. What do you want for me, Christian? <laughs> yeah, it looks like I'm going to need a new intern soon. So, am I considered an intern right now? Is that what you're saying? What? No. <laughs> a glorified intern, maybe, but yeah. Oh wow. <laughs> Poor Christian having to deal with abuse for 200 episodes. (laughs) (laughs) But anyway, Ace, thank you so much for reaching out to us and listening to the show. Um, Even after 200 episodes, I'm still amazed when someone says they actually listen to the show. So I'm not not, like over that yet. (laughs) Uh, But yeah, thanks again. Also, before I forget, uh, we're going to go ahead and do an impromptu contest for this week only. Uh, If you enjoy the show... Uh, and I know, of course, you do. Uh, go ahead and write a five-star review over on Apple Podcasts. And if we pick to read it on next week's episode, you'll win 
any amazing nerd show shirt of your choosing over at Tee Public. Um, you have to, of course, live in the United States, though, unfortunately, because shipping is a bitch right now. And if you've already written a review in the past, that's okay. Write another review. It still counts. You're still qualified to enter. Uh, but beware. Uh, sometimes it takes a couple of days for those reviews to pop up on Apple. Um, and we record this show on Wednesdays or Thursdays. So the sooner you get it done, the better chance you have for us to read it on air. Um, you know, I'm only choosing one review to read, though. So just remember that. So, I mean, wow us, you know, with a poem or a song or something like that. Uh, and I'll make Christian sing it on air. Oh, I'll do it. <laughs> <laughs> we'll dance for our dinner, goddammit. Well, all right, David, what are we talking about this week? This week, we got reviews for Last Night in Soho and Paranormal Activity Next to Kin. Plus, we have our reactions for the Book of Boba Fett trailer, and we will be talking about the latest WWE firings. Let's get into the news. Every week, we collect the biggest headlines and rumors of nerdum. We're not mild-mannered reporters. We're mere podcasters with opinions. All right. First up this week, we have a bunch of MCU Disney Plus rumors. So the moderators of the Reddit group Marvel Studios Spoilers have shared a bunch of rumored details about several of Marvel's upcoming Disney Plus shows and movies recently. Uh, the group has a good track record of vetting leaks, so let's discuss some of the more notable stories. And while these are just rumors at this point and should be taken as just that, tread lightly and mind the timestamps if you don't want possible spoilers. Alright, so first up, according to their source, Charlie Cox will in fact appear as Matt Murdock on the She-Hulk show, but the leaker claims it will be a different version of the character than the one who appeared in Netflix's Daredevil and Defenders. Uh, the show has been described as a courtroom sitcom, so no word if we'll see Daredevil in action or we'll just see Matt Murdock the lawyer, or maybe both. I mean, I definitely think Daredevil is going to show up in the Spider-Man film. So, I mean, it'd be cool to see like if he's going to be interacting and doing some, I don't know, back and forth in She-Hulk, maybe some courtroom drama type stuff there. That would be fun to watch. Well, the, the fact that they describe it as a sitcom, I'm picturing like uh -huh. Night Court, not like L.A. Law. So, oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like I almost picture it just taking place in the courtroom the entire time. Uh -huh. uh, but I doubt that's the case. Uh, I don't know. I, I could see where maybe they just like hint at like, you know, him being Daredevil. But, you know, we just kind of see you know, Matt Murdock like, you know. But with that being said, I do feel like this is kind of a weird way to like introduce Matt Murdock proper into the MCU so I do hope that you know his debut really does come in Spider-Man you know no way home yeah because it, it would be weird to have him in a comedy to start off with especially a character that can be as dark as Daredevil because I keep on picturing like laugh tracks and the whole uh -huh. like nine yards so that's the way they've been describing the show but we'll see. So also according to the group's source, Jim Carrey has been cast as MODOK and could be appearing as early as the She-Hulk series. Uh, the leaker went on to say that MODOK could appear in the Ant-Man and Wasp Quantumania film, but that's not a sure thing just yet. But there is a good chance that Carrey could be playing the character in multiple projects. I mean, Patton Oswalt must be pissed, but Jim Carrey makes sense for the role. I could totally see that. I guess, but I think I'd rather see Patton Oswalt at it. You know, especially since the, the show supposedly is this big hit. Why not just mm -hmm. have that, like, consistency? And, I mean, you can't tell me that, like, a CGI version of Patton's head 
in that like chair with the little <laughs> arms and legs wouldn't be awesome right no yeah it, it would absolutely work I, i'm i'm surprised that they're going with jim carrey instead of just doing pan oswald but you know maybe i don't know feige, feige just hates all the things that aren't just in the mcu i don't know i think that's probably part of it right <laughs> <laughs> that did come out recently in that little mcu book that was written um, you know, just how much of a disconnect there was between, you know, Marvel TV and the MCU. Um, so, I mean, I, maybe that's part of it, but he did have to green light the uh, MODOK show. So he did feel okay with that, at least. And we know that Hitmonkey is... Has it been released yet? I'm not sure. I only saw the trailer. I don't remember what happened. Yeah, I mean, regardless if it's not, it's going to be released soon. So, Mm. but regardless, I mean, obviously he felt like those shows were entertaining enough to like still happen because he did cancel a bunch of other ones. I mean, I was surprised by this story because Modok is such an outlandish character. It's hard for me to like wrap my head around like him existing in like the MCU like world. Uh, Uh But we'll see i mean who better though to really like bring that character to life than like jim carrey because we do know he can you know do serious acting if he wants to be i just can't see him interacting with like charlie cox's like daredevil at least the daredevil (laughs) we saw on the netflix show but Uh. apparently that's not the version of the character we're getting so i guess it doesn't matter so the last big rumor to come out of the group is that the moon knight series will feature the first appearance by mahershala ali's blade uh the leaker also claims that dracula will be the main villain of the show and will be played by the already cast ethan hawk i mean that's huge to have blade just appear in this show before he even has a film so, I mean, it just goes to show how important these series can be on Disney Plus for the entirety of the MCU. No, I mean, absolutely. I mean, already you can see the track record with these shows and how serious they're you know, taking them as part of like the MCU's bigger picture. Because, I mean, Jesus Christ, you had Sam put on the Captain America uniform for the first time on the Disney Plus show. Because, I mean, if you would have asked me, I would have thought that would be something they would save for, like, the next Captain America film. But no, Mm -hmm. they did it on the show. I mean, you had, like, the grown-up, like, Monica Rambeau also show up, you know, in WandaVision. So that's something that I would have expected to happen in, you know, the upcoming Captain Marvel film. And, I mean, Miss Marvel herself, you know, debuted for the first time on her own show. So, I mean, you know, those are all characters that are going to mean you know, big things for the MCU grand scheme wise. And I mean, if this is true, because once again, these are all rumors. So, I mean, all these rumors could be bullshit. (laughs) But if this is true, I'm wondering if part of this has to do with the scheduling thing, because we know that Blade's been delayed. I don't know when Mm -hmm. Moon Knight's supposed to be coming out. I think sometime next year. But I, I know Blade's been delayed, I believe, a couple times at this point. So it might have been something that's already been written and they're like, well, let's just go with it, you know, and it might just be more of a glorified cameo also. Oh, I also like Ethan Hawke to be Dracula. I think that's a great casting choice. I mean, even right now, I can't think of someone else that might be better for it at this very moment, but I think he's, you know, perfect for that that role. Yeah, it's just an interesting choice for a villain for Moon Knight to bounce off of, the, at least mm. in the first season. But I mean, Dracula is a character that has a deep history in the Marvel comics, so... I mean, I guess he makes sense as a villain. 
you know, for the series. But anyway, also rumored for Disney Plus and animated Darth Maul series. So yeah, there's a rumor making the rounds right now that there's a new animated series in development which will focus on Darth Maul. Uh, the rumor is that the Maul animated series will also serve as sort of a prequel to Solo, uh, helping to kind of fill in the blanks for Maul's character arc and how he came into power of his criminal organization. There'll just never be enough Maul and Star Wars, I think, at this point. They're always going to make new content for him. <laughs> no, I mean, absolutely. But I do feel like this series is justified because there is kind of a big, like, time period unaccounted for with Maul. So mm -hmm. it'd be interesting to see kind of like this underworld type story take place. It's just going to be weird to see Maul as the main character. Like, is he going to play as the protagonist or are they going to set up a different, like, you know, character to kind of play the hero to bump up against Maul? Because there's really nothing sympathetic about the character, right? <laughs> no, not at all. <laughs> so, like, is he the character we're rooting for or, you know, like, I don't know. I mean, it's definitely going to be different. But if you think about it, like, Boba Fett has his own series now. So I think I'm just worried about them like watering down Maul. Like I want them to keep him the same character. I mean, keep him that vile villain. Uh, don't try to make him, you know, sympathetic, more digestible for an audience. Um, it's just gonna be weird because I mean, it is an animated show. So you do feel like they're, they're still trying to attract like a younger audience with it. Although at this point with those shows, we all know it's, you know, yeah. a bunch of people our age watching it. <laughs> He, he has to slaughter someone in the name of Kenobi at some point, right? Oh, like... yeah. No, that has to be <laughs> happening. Like, that's what I'm saying. They're going to have to inter introduce some kind of protagonist mm. to kind of be like his foil in the show for it to make sense. I almost wish this was a live action series, honestly. And I did kind of expect to see his story play out more in The Bad Batch. You know, like I, I kept mm. on expecting to get some kind of cameo in that first season. That never happened. Um, you know, and that still could happen in the second season, and maybe that will end up being kind of like almost a, like a pilot, like what they did with Ahsoka, uh, you know, for his own series. Yeah, I could definitely see him showing up in the second season, or just at least more of like the Crimson Dawn or something that ties into him. But I also wouldn't put it past them to like try and give him an acolyte or something like someone who can train under him. And that's maybe who we follow in the storyline who just like realizes how dark and evil he is because he's always he's always trying to corrupt someone. No, that's not a bad idea, because then you can kind of have the arc play out as like a war for that apprentice's like soul, um, mm -hmm. you know, and then you could like kind of like show parallels between like Maul and them and like how Maul eventually came to be who he you know, ends up being. Well, all right, enough rumors because Marvel has casted its Werewolf by Night for its upcoming Halloween Disney Plus special. So yes, The Wrap is reporting that the MCU has cast Gail Garcia Bernal to play the Werewolf by Night. Uh, there is no word yet whether or not he'll be playing the Jack Russell version of the character or the Jake Gomez version. Uh, I wouldn't also be surprised if this character doesn't pop up somehow in the Moon Knight series. It just feels like it makes perfect sense knowing their history. All right, Christian, so we had a huge trailer drop this week. That's right, we had a trailer for the Book of Boba Fett. You were all once captains under Jabba the Hutt. I'm here to make a proposal that's mutually beneficial. Why speak of conflict 
Human cooperation can make us all rich. What prevents us all from killing you and taking what we want? If you had spoken such insolence to Java, he'd have fed you to his menagerie. Well, all right, in our very first glimpse of the Book of Boba Fett here, uh, it, especially with the way this trailer is cut, we get a voiceover of Boba Fett kind of having a meeting with the rest of the, you know, criminal underworld here in Star Wars. Um, you know, it seems like he's trying to bring everyone together um, and we get plenty of sweeping shots of just the world that they're going to either be on or the worlds because you never know sometimes it could be multiple sand planets they, they like to throw you off that way sometimes yeah uh, but, but this definitely feels like it's mostly going to be on a uh, tatooine yeah <laughs> uh several moments where there's going to be some tension but beyond that you know it's just boba and fennec kind of talking the failures of jabba and his ways of ruling by fear while boba promises to rule with respect and make them all a bunch of money if they all just cooperate yeah it seems like he's really trying to like unite all the other like crime syndicates underneath his rule of yes. course right <laughs> there's really like not much to this trailer um, mm -hmm. it, it feels like really we're just seeing stuff from like maybe like the first like part of like the first episode, honestly. Yes. <laughs> like you know, I'm fine with that. I don't want them to give shit away. So that's totally cool with me. Um, it just, you know, it really is just kind of giving you a taste of what like this, you know, mini series is going to be about. So, um, and is this four episodes? I think this is just going to be four episodes long, right? Yeah. I remember it being really short in number. Count. Yeah. But we see him talking to different groups it seems like, you know, almost like a sales pitch, you know, trying to like, you know, gain their interest and to see kind of what like side of the track they're going to fall on. Mm -hmm. Like, are they going to be with him or are they going to be against him? Uh, he's having a conversation with an authorian, which I, you know, still refer to as hammerheads because I mean, <laughs> that's what the figures were called when I was a uh -huh. kid. Um, but yeah. And then the, he's uh, at a big, like, you know, table meeting with a bunch of different like species of aliens. Uh, but I mean, we see Finnick is like his right hand, um, his conciliary, if you will. I mean, this definitely had an awesome like gangster feel to it. Uh, and I love gangster films. So um, and this is really like the underworld show that we've been dreaming about for all these years. So I'm really stoked for this. It will be interesting to see if this like ties into like the Mandalorian story. Like if this is somehow going to be like kind of a jump start for season three, um, that has been kind of a rumor that like Din Djarin is going to be somehow involved in, you know, the Book of Boba. We just don't know how yet. Like, I mean, could they possibly like come to odds, um, you know, because of what, you know, you know, Boba's trying to pull off here? I could see it more like Mando needs, you know, Boba to join up with him. And Bo was like, well, the only way at this point, I need your help to get out of whatever situation I'm in. That's how I kind of view it. Yeah. Because he still says he owes him one, you know? Maybe, but I do feel like the juicier story is if, like, they do, like, end up on opposite sides of the fence and they do have a confrontation of some sort. Because I do feel like Boa's debt is now paid, you know, to Dejarin. So, 
Um, and he's an honorable man, but to a certain. I guess with like only four episodes, maybe I'd rather it be more implications towards season three rather than it be, you know, um, Dejarin showing up and like having an actual confrontation with him in this so it can focus a little bit more on Boba. No, I agree with that. You know, like if, if he does end up being part of the show, I, I hope it's only briefly and it's yes. more just kind of a, like a teaser into, you know, season three, which I believe is actually shooting currently. I mean, who knows? Maybe Mando ends up in debt to Boba for something. Perhaps. You know, that could eventually be the story. But regardless of what happens, I'm definitely excited for this. Uh, you know, what? December 28th, is it? 29th. 29th. Can't get here soon enough. Nope, we'll be talking about it in the new year. <laughs> oh, quickly before we move on, Christian, I know we didn't plan on doing this. What did you think about the Morbius trailer? Eh, I mean, it was more of what we got from the first one, but like, you know, there were some action sequences. I'm still confused on why, you know, out of all the medical procedures he could possibly come up with, <laughs> he needs to stick his hand out to get bitten by bats. I don't... I don't get how that cures his disease. It's just more cinematic, man. I mean, he, I know. yeah, he could go to a lab and like force the bat to bite him. That probably would be more likely of the story. But like, uh -huh. come on, it, it looked cool, right? So we did get I like guess. a look at him as like, you know, in full like vampire mode. And I thought mm -hmm. he looked fantastic. I really did. Um, you know, because we just kind of saw that like brief like side, like over the shoulder shot in the, the first trailer, I believe. Uh, but I don't know. The, the effects on this looks pretty damn good. I'm curious to see where they take, you know, the character because he is not your typical like superhero or supervillain, even mm. less so than like Venom. I mean, in the comics, he loses his like battle with his hunger a lot, you know, and Spider-Man ends up having to like, you know, restrain him. Um, there's times where he kind of goes into like the vigilante mode and everything. But there's times where he's just a fucking monster. I mean, the character really is a tortured soul. So I'm just hoping that they can really pull that off and have that translate, you know, on film. Yeah, because I mean, that kind of story, that duality would be really cool to see on film. But uh, I still don't trust Sony right now. So, <laughs> uh. well, after Venom 2, I don't blame you. There's also a bunch of controversy of like where exactly what like worlds this film exists in when it comes to spider-man like mm -hmm. is this supposed to be like part of raimi's spider-man universe or is this supposed to be like part of like the mcu's spider-man's like universe or is it somehow like just part of all like the multi you know verse like chaos that's happening right now because like he's holding a daily bugle and i don't think that's been established as a newspaper in the mcu um and on that bugle i guess someone did a close-up shot and it talks about like black cat and rhino being on the loose or something hmm. um, which is the amazing spider-man that's the only place that we've seen the yeah. rhino so far um but in like a couple scenes later we do see uh the mcu's vulture and we still get those posters of peter on the wall and with that being said though the one like graffiti of spider-man totally looks like raimi's you know spider-man like toby you know in his spider-man suit hmm. i mean i'm sure they're trying to make it as confusing as possible you uh -huh. know as kind of a smoke screen I don't know. Like, I understand what you're saying with Sony. Trust me. <laughs> but at the same time, like, after this trailer, I do kind of have high hopes for this film. I'm, I'm not going to lie. I love Jared Leto, too. So I just don't think, like, uh, doing a multiversal, like, tale would be a good idea for them at all for with this film. 
Yeah, I don't think it's going to be something where they're aware that it's a multiverse tale. Gotcha. I think it's just going to kind of exist in that limbo. And maybe it's going to end up, you know, fitting bigger picture wise. And we're going to have kind of an idea of how they plan on like, I don't know, because it seems like they're really planning on like, you know, merging the Sony like Spider-Verse and the MCU, you know, sp- you know Spider-Verse, you know, together at this point. Just as always, the Spider-Verse is becoming a, a headache. As a... We have to see the film yet, man. <laughs> yes, I know. <laughs> Someone pissed in your Cheerios today. Jesus Christ. <laughs> His name was Carnage. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so glad I didn't see that movie yet. I'm staying away. All right, Christian, so this past Halloween weekend, we saw a couple of movies. That's right. First up, I saw Last Night in Soho. Warning, spoiler alert. Minor spoilers for Last Night in Soho. You have been warned. And now, our feature presentation. I got this kind of gift. I can see people, places, things others can't. This is the closest most people ever get to their dreams. They're not just dreams. Jack, I don't want to do this. You think you can just walk away? It really happened. What did you see? Do you believe in ghosts? An aspiring fashion designer is mysteriously able to enter the 1960s where she encounters a dazzling wannabe singer. But the glamour is not all it appears to be, and the dreams of the past start to crack and splinter into something darker. Last Night in Soho is directed by Edgar Wright and is also written by Edgar Wright and Christy Wilson Cranes. Edgar Wright being one of my personal favorite directors doing a horror flick definitely gave me something to look forward to this Halloween season. And while the performances in the film were stellar, everything else felt a little lacking, especially in comparison to some of his previous works. Without spoiling anything in this tale, as Damon mentioned up top, we follow Ellie as she goes off to college in London for fashion design. But Ellie, as played by Thomasin McKenzie, is no average gal as she seems to have the ability to see the dead. Overwhelmed by city life and not really fitting in with her fellow dormmates, Ellie decides to get a place of her own, and upon her first night sleeping in Soho, finds herself back in the 60s, semi-living the life of Sandy, a woman trying to make it big in ye olde London. As we know by the trailers, this does not go well for Sandy, as played by Anya Taylor-Joy, and we watch as Sandy's escapades influence and affect Ellie when she's in the know, the waking world. On paper, there is a great psychological and supernatural tale. However, in execution, the film for me did not explore either side of that quite enough. And while this is almost a two hour film, I was definitely wanting them to build on both aspects more to the point I could argue it needing a little bit more screen time to do so. But as I said up top, I found all the characters and their performances to be enjoyable to watch. The story itself is just lacking that, you know, extra oomph to make it more memorable on that exact note. I thought, you know, the play on Ellie and Sandy mirroring each other in, you know, the cinematography and choreography was well handled, but that only plays out early in the film and doesn't happen enough throughout. It seems like they had some great ideas and they got them out, you know, early on and maybe just didn't have enough for the rest of the film. 
Plus, I was also missing what I come to expect in Edgar Wright films with, you know, his play of musicality, with the actions of the cast and, you know, motions of the camera, especially focusing around a singer character in the past and a heavy focus on 60s music. I thought there would be a lot more to it in this film. Like, I definitely thought they would, you know, be doing a lot more camera tricks and stuff like that, but eh, we didn't get anything like that. And on, you know, the effects side, the ghosts themselves felt on par with maybe like made for TV. And I'm not saying like cheap made for TV. I'm talking like Doctor Who. So it wasn't like terrible, but the design overall was lacking and I didn't really like how they looked. Uh, it was just kind of eh, for me. And I was definitely expecting a bit more moments like we see in the trailer with the hands grabbing Ellie um, to happen throughout the film. But you just don't really get that. There's not too many actual horror elements in there. But, you know, that could have led more to them wanting to play on a psychological effect on her rather than just showing a bunch of scary moments so that they could build up to a big moment like that. But I definitely think they could have done a couple things here and there to make this film a little bit more horrifying. All in all, maybe it was my fault coming into this film with higher expectations, but for me, Edgar Wright has, you know, had a great track record, and I was excited for his take on a straight horror film, but I came out of the theater a tad bit disappointed by how simple the story was and what I feel are the, you know, missing touches of his usual film style. Not that he has to pigeonhole himself to one style, though. Anyway, I'm giving Last Night in Soho a B-. It was a decent film, but I'm not sure I'm ever going to be interested in it down the road. This week's episode is sponsored by Arcane, a Netflix original series from the creators of League of Legends. Arcane is a nine episode, three part series that follows the story of two young girls, Vi and Powder, born in the Undercity beneath Piltover. Their eagerness to prove themselves will set in motion a series of events that will take their relationship to its breaking point and transform them forever. Witness the animation event of the year to see the champions we know and love like never before. Vi, Jinx, Hammerdinger, Jace, their stories will all intertwine in this action-packed series. Whether you're a longtime League player or brand new to Runeterra, Arcane serves as the perfect introduction to the vast worlds of League of Legends, focusing on the origins of some of its most iconic characters. Dive into the stories behind one of the most played games of all time, discover the secrets of Piltover and its Undercity, and prepare for the epic battle that is only just beginning. Arcane is now streaming exclusively on Netflix. Okay, Damon, what horror movie did you watch this past Halloween weekend? Well, Christian, unfortunately, I chose to watch Paranormal Activity Next of Kin. <laughs> Oops. Spoilers. <laughs> Warning, spoiler alert. Minor spoilers for Paranormal Activity Next of Kin. You have been warned. I know every family within a 50-mile area. Margaret, a young woman who was abandoned by her mother as a baby, travels to a secluded Amish community with a documentary film crew seeking answers about her mother and extended family. This was directed by William Eubank and written by Christopher Landon and Oren Pelly. So the found footage subgenre of horror has always been decisive to say the least. While some say it's a lazy gimmick that takes the art out of cinema, others see it as a 
different approach to bring grounded realism to film. While I see both sides of the argument, it's always been a case-by-case study and just really depends on how the approach is utilized. So with that being said, when it comes down to it, the Paranormal Activity franchise has been pretty successful with it. I mean, yeah, just like with any series, the longer it went, the sequels and spinoffs seemed to get weaker, but those first handful of films effectively used found footage storytelling well. So when I saw we were getting another Paranormal Activity spinoff just in time for Halloween, I definitely thought it was worth the watch. Especially when I found out that Christopher Landon of Happy Death Day and Freaky fame was returning to the franchise he cut his teeth with to write the script. So in the film, we're following the character Margaret, who with her friend decides to film a documentary about traveling to what seems to be an Amish community in the hopes of learning about her mother who gave her up at birth and connecting with the family she's never met. But of course, after a short period of time of being there, she soon discovers that there's something wicked at the heart of this community as the mystery of her past starts to unravel. Unfortunately, Next to Kin is an example of what critics of the subgenre take issue with. The film feels like it's going through the motions and just using found footage as an excuse to cut corners when it comes to storytelling and just to make a film on the cheap. Also, oddly enough, the way they use it is just so uneven. Um, at times, you almost forget that you're watching a found footage film uh, just because what you're seeing on screen is so polished. And I guess that can all be explained away since it's supposedly being shot for a documentary. But there are times when they transition to a different scene. And even though it's the same person holding the camera, it's like they've never like filmed before. <laughs> um, because the scenes will all be on like a weird tilt or actors heads are being crapped out of frame. It makes it just for a real jarring viewing experience. It was almost like they were trying to overly self-correct the film because of all those cinematic moments by just throwing in some really awful camera work. So anyway, when it comes to the story, the film is completely void of any suspense or tension, which is a shame because that's really a staple of the franchise if you think about it. But there's no like quote unquote paranormal activity for the first 45 minutes or so. And trust me, I don't mind a slow burn film, but instead of giving you a story that you could really sink your teeth into, they deliver this paint by number mystery that really goes nowhere. And when something does finally happen, it seems to be kind of hindered by its own predictability as they try to echo the style of the previous films in the series. Uh, there's a potentially a germ of a good idea here, and in the final moments you get a taste of what could have been, but at that point it's just way too late. Uh, it honestly felt like they took the script for some other original horror film and slapped the Paranormal Activity name in front of the title to like shoehorn it into the franchise for just the sake of a cash grab. And if that's the case, and trust me, I don't know for sure if it is, it's just unfortunate because the story would have been better served being its own thing. So with all that being said, I'm going to go ahead and give Paranormal Activity next to Kin a D. Uh, instead of wasting your time watching this newest installment, go ahead and revisit the first couple of films in the franchise and remember what actually made them great in the first place, because apparently the studio has completely forgotten. And now a message from our sponsor, Manscaped. Ho ho ho, gentlemen, the holidays came early here at Manscaped, the leading men's hygiene brand. 
Manscaped just launched new products, including their all-new Ultra Premium Body Wash and 2-in-1 Shampoo and Conditioner. It's time to give yourself, or someone who needs it, the gift of beautiful skin, hair, and balls this holiday season. Go to Manscaped.com and use our code 20AMAZING for 20% off plus free shipping. Jingle balls to the walls, fellas. Listen up. Untrimmed pubes are a thing of the past, and it's possible you have Santa's beard in your pants. It's time to leave your significant other some cookies and milk at the bottom of your chimney. I'm talking about the Manscaped Performance Package 4.0. Christian, I still remember that magical Christmas like it was yesterday. I thought I was finished unwrapping all my gifts, and then my wife surprised me by handing me my first Manscaped performance package. And Christian, I swear I could hear church bells ring and choirs sing as my life was changed forever. Inside the Performance Package 4.0, you'll find the signature Lawnmower 4.0. This electric trimmer has proprietary advanced skin-safe technology to reduce cuts on your nuts. So the Manscaped Performance Package 4.0 also includes the Crop Preserver and Crop Reviver, an anti-chafing ball deodorant, moisturizer, and toner. It's time to keep your North Pole feeling and smelling fresh. This hygiene bundle will also come with a pair of Manscaped anti-chafing boxers. They'll keep your junk feeling fresh all day. It's the perfect package for your perfect package. Manscaped is going beyond the groin with their new Ultra Premium Body Wash. It's infused with aloe vera and sea salt to keep your skin feeling fresh, nice, and moisturized. They also just launched their new two-in-one shampoo and conditioner, which has ingredients with benefits that include hydrating, nourishing, conditioning the scalp, plus strengthening your hair at the same time. Tis the season to load up on Manscaped products, so get yourself, your dad, your brother, and friends the best gift of all, the Manscaped Performance Package 4.0. Get 20% off plus free shipping with our code 20AMAZING at manscaped.com. Every guy out there needs to add Manscaped to their wish list this season. That's right. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code 20AMAZING at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use our code 20AMAZING. Clean up your nuts and make Santa proud this year. Also, if you want to make the Amazing Nerd Show proud, go ahead and send us a screenshot of you using our promo code at checkout with manscaped.com. We'll send you some free nerd swag as long as you live in the United States area. Manscaped, your nuts will thank you. Well, now it's time for Christian's Corner. This past week in gaming, I got my hands on the Guardians of the Galaxy game. Plus, there were several new trailers and gameplay showcases as we dive into November head fucking first. It's holiday season, so the gaming world is all about getting you hyped for the new releases. But the game I think I'm most excited for right now doesn't come out till next year. This week, we got a 19 minute video coming out of From Software's newest project, Elden Ring. And by God, does it look beautiful. From Software, most known for their Dark Souls franchise, continues to pump out titles with their winning formula of brutal but extremely enjoyable experiences. With freedom of choice, you are thrown into another realm of fantasy, this time coming from the mind of George R.R. Martin and Miyazaki. This will be for the first time an open world experience unlike the previous Soul games, you know, with their more semi-linear paths. 
I think this is kind of an awesome change that will add to the versatility and freedom of this game. The map looks absolutely massive with all the bells and whistles, you know, of finding those secret paths and treasures wherever you might go. Um, the amount of different approaches you could take to getting through the lands or dungeons that they showed off in this trailer makes me believe every player will have extremely unique playthroughs and can lead to some creative ways to play the game. On top of that, I was impressed by the magic abilities and just the sheer scope of how different every player could play this game. It's everything you've, you know, you've come to love of Dark Souls on such a bigger scale, and that just gets me even more excited for this game. Uh, it, honestly, it might be my most anticipated for 2022, but I'll try and keep that excitement contained. After all, I was on that cyberpunk hype train and that thing got punched by Omni-Man. Elden Ring is set for the 25th of February in 2022. But anyway, let's switch gears to a game I have been playing live on Twitch with all of you, and that's Guardians of the Galaxy. So far, my overall impressions of the game aren't far off from the early reviews. Great dialogue, fun gameplay, but nothing too crazy or challenging yet. In fact, the biggest challenge I have been facing is that for some reason, the controller scheme on the PC can't be switched to match an Xbox controller, even though the controller they show in the menus is an Xbox controller. For some reason, it's just coming up as these old school gamepad buttons when you play the game, or even sometimes it will switch between PlayStation and Nintendo controller prompts out of nowhere. <laughs> now, I have been Googling and there might be some fixes to this online, so I, you know, maybe the next time I go live, I'll have a fix for it. So make sure that you join us and to see what I did to fix it but I haven't tried it just yet. But I'm just saying for my overall first you know, experience with the game, it can definitely you know, throw you off when you're trying to make choices for your characters and you know, your team and you press the wrong button and or don't press a button in time and just you know, fuck up everything. And as another note, I think my other complaint about this game is just, you know, it's more on the streamer side. So, you know, bear with me here. They put a stream mode in the game to protect streamers from copyrighted music, but the game doesn't simply eliminate all the copyrighted music and play the songs that you can have. No, it kind of just mutes the copyrighted songs. So there are big periods with just silence, especially since the huddle feature heavily uses copyrighted music. But again, this won't be a problem for those of you who want to play the game without streaming it. Just annoying for us content creators. I'm still looking forward to continuing the story, however, and you can catch that live every weekend on Twitch. Follow us now to get notified when we are live. Not the name I want to hear right now. No stage dives. I'm not particularly in the best mood. If I could talk to you guys seriously for a couple of minutes, I'd super appreciate it. There's two people who aren't here today, and one has a very legitimate reason as to not be here, and that's the name I want to hear chanted. His name is John Moxley. So the WWE is at it again. Uh, as of today, we're recording this show on Thursday. Uh, they have released over 18 wrestlers. Um, Jesus. Christian, do you have the list? <laughs> yes, I do. Uh, that's going to be Frankie Monet, Ember Moon, Jesse Camilla, Katrina Cortez, Jeet Rama, 
Oni Lorcan, Trey Baxter, <laughs> Zeta Ramier, Scarlet, B-Fab, Grand Metalik, Lince Dorado, Karrion Cross, Harry Smith, Nia Jax, Ava Marie, Keith Lee, and Mia Yim. Jesus Christ, man. I feel like this has know. become like a quarterly thing now for them, right? It feels like every like like three months they're yeah. like doing no. these mass releases. And it feels like it always coincides with their quarterly earnings report. So hmm. I, <laughs> I feel like that's not a coincidence. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it just it just sucks. It's ridiculous. I mean, there's so much wasted potential on this list. I mean, Keith Lee literally just had a squash match against Cedric Alexander where he like pinned him within like 30 seconds. So, I mean, I really didn't see that coming. Um Carrying Cross, maybe so, uh, unfortunately. Uh, you know, I don't think it's his fault, though. It just feels like they're really, like, cleaning house of all of, like, Triple H's guys from over on NXT. Out of the rest of the list, I think the biggest surprise is probably Nia Jax. Honestly, because it really felt like she was kind of protected um, by just being The Rock's cousin. So, I mean, that's uh-huh. always been, like, the big rumor that she kind of gets away with what she wants because of who her cousin is. Um, but apparently that didn't help her here. Uh, it, it does fucking suck, regardless of how you feel about her as a wrestler, though. Like, anytime someone who's injured gets let go, it's pretty fucking shitty. So, because hmm. right now she's out with an injury. So, and it used to be a thing. I felt like injured wrestlers wouldn't get released. Like, they would go out of their way not to release someone who was injured. Um, but apparently they don't have that, you know, code of ethics anymore. So, <laughs> um, so of course the reason given for all these releases was, a, you know, quote unquote, you know, due to budget cuts. Um, I feel like at this point, the WWE is most likely up for sale. Um, at least they're like, you know, shopping it around because there's really no reason for them to have such a strict cap for, you know, superstar like payroll it just really makes no sense i mean that could all just be bullshit though if that's what they're doing yes but i I, i'm just saying if they're not shopping around this is just a random excuse to say while they can just get rid of whoever they don't like and bring up whoever they do that's all i'm saying like i'm just saying if if this isn't really about the money because they are making billions more than they did before i you know no and that's true (laughs) i mean this could just be an excuse to kind of like trim the fat on the roster but at this point, I mean, there's really no reason to do so. Like, you've got enough money to keep these, you know, talents with tons of potential to, like, help out your own brand away from the competition. I mean, it just, I mean, Harry Smith is on this list, and he literally wrestled one dark match, you know? And mm-hmm. it just feels like they're trying to, like, you know, stay underneath their bottom line to make them sexier for a potential, you know, buyer in the long run. Um, Because otherwise, like, why give up on Keith Lee that quickly? You know, I mean, why give up on Karrion Cross that, you know, quickly? Or Ember Moon for that, you know, matter. Um, They lack vision, Damon. (laughs) I don't know, man. I don't know. I I think they're up for sale. I really do. All right. So I, I... I agree to a certain extent because it does feel like they're kind of cleaning house of a lot of like, you know, Triple H's, you know, uh, pet projects. But Mm -hmm. at the same time, like the fact that these 
these releases are happening so frequently uh, just feels a bit much. And I think the truth is probably somewhere in the middle. And what really sucks now is with like ROH basically kind of being an influx, you're getting this flood of talent hitting the indie scene all at once. So, I, I mean, there's a lot of different places for wrestlers to go, but at a certain point, it's going to kind of hurt their bottom line and what they can ask for because there's so many different directions that now these independents can go with because there's so much talent mm-hmm. out there. Like people are going to be really fighting for, you know, jobs. I mean, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see where the indie scene goes with all this because it, I mean, if, if there's some way to create like a huge successful roster in another company or if someone wants to start something up, this would probably be the time, right? I mean, Ring of Otters just cleared everyone. WWE's cleared 90% of its talent <laughs> at this point. So it's, 90% of their talent. <laughs> it's just like the New Day and Roman Reigns and the Usos. That's uh-huh. all that's left. <laughs> it's Charlotte. And Ricochet for some yeah. fucking reason is still there. How is Ricochet not on this list, by the way? I they don't literally know. do nothing with the guy <laughs> or Chad Gable, you know, like those no, guys man. are probably begging for their phone to ring on a day like uh, this, you know, let me go. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, I mean, it, it's never a good thing for people to lose their jobs. So we don't mean to make light of it, but it, no. it just sucks. And now, uh, the, so the news came out this week that ROH is going to be basically a super indie. From here on out, they're not going to have any wrestlers underneath like long-term contracts. It's going to be like a show-by-show basis. Um, everyone's going to be independent contractors, like real independent contracts, not like you know the uh-huh. bullshit contracts that you know WWE gives out. Um, so I mean, we'll see how that ends up working for them. Uh, but yeah, I mean, so like from this group of wrestlers who were just released, do you see any of them fitting anywhere else like an AEW or, you know, an impact or new Japan? I think it's obvious. Some of them will definitely fit on impact right away. Uh, but I definitely see Keith Lee and Mia Yim and especially Ember Moon being perfect picks for AEW. I think that makes perfect sense for them to be there yeah no i 100 percent agree uh especially when it comes to mia yim and ember moon i think that's gonna do mm-hmm. nothing but bolster their women's division um just having that like seasoned talent in there because i mean even right now i still feel like they're a little light when it comes to that department um it just you know bringing mia yim in especially she could almost act as like a player coach i believe she does training um you know at a school somewhere i believe she's done some sort of like you know trainer type deal in the past i'm not quite sure about that and then like ember moon she's just a fucking star like in the in the making and i don't understand why wwe never capitalized on her like nxt and hunter got it right but like when she came up to the main roster they literally did nothing with her and i know she's not like great on the mic but she's got tons of charisma and, like, in the ring, she's fantastic. So, like, AEW should definitely jump on that. Uh, I definitely think Harry Smith should go back to New Japan Strong or something like that. Or maybe even, uh, like, reunite him with uh, Lance Archer on uh, mm-hmm. you know, AEW. They're an awesome fucking tag team. Do you remember them just, like, running through the crowd and scaring the shit out of yes. people? <laughs> <in Japan? laughs> So uh, I would love to see that. Uh, I think Karrion Cross would definitely work over on Impact. 
I just right mm-hmm. now, I don't see him well, being obviously. a good fit for AEW <laughs> just because, you know, they've got enough scary dudes, you know? <laughs> mm-hmm. So, um, Grand Metal League, you know, can go back to New Japan or, you know, even possibly have a run in AEW. Um, he's super talented, who just was completely underutilized uh, with, you know, WWE, along with Scarlet and Cross. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I, I'm sure the door is always open. You know, for those guys, um, and, you know, if you look at it, I mean, Impact really has the most potential to gain here with all the recent, you know, budget cuts with ROH and WWE. I mean, they can really like bolster up their roster if they have the budget to do so. So, uh, you know, and that's 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 awesome, you know, because I mean, more competition means better wrestling for everyone. Right. Exactly. And I definitely think Oni Lorcan will be the you know king of the indies in no time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I could see Khan signing him too, honestly. <laughs> he just feels like a guy that Khan would really like. Um, uh-huh. I, I worry, though, because once again, I'm not going to dive too deep into this, but I do feel like their roster is just getting way too deep at this point where you can't yeah. possibly service all these wrestlers, you know, and get you know the spotlight on them on, on a weekly basis so um but if they you know i mean maybe they have kind of that kind of rotating roster where you know it's kind of an open contract where you know you can do a, a small run in aw and go work the indies and then come back you know just kind of like you know a handshake type deal and i know they've had like you know smaller tier contracts like that in the past so, I mean, maybe they potentially do that. And it seems like they're still willing to work with, you know, other companies. Uh, there was a big rumor going around that possibly their impact uh, relationship was over. That doesn't seem to be the case at all. They just don't have anything planned at this point. But Khan said he's completely open to still working with them. Um, so, who knows? Jesus, I just realized Eva Marie is on this list. They literally, WWE literally just signed her like six months ago. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and we're pushing her pretty hard. Um, it's just crazy. Jesus Christ, man. It's like you only have three weeks to like impress them on the main roster. You know, and if you don't, then you're, you're, you're yeah. gone. pretty much it's got to be scary like it's got to be just demoralizing for talent in the locker room i mean everyone's Mm -hmm. gonna be walking on eggshells right now because it it just looks like they're looking for an excuse to release people like i'm still not over bray wyatt and braun Strowman being released that it just makes no sense whatsoever you know those are two huge contracts you know (laughs) so maybe that's why but like braun Strowman, they have so much invested into and, and same with bray like it's just so un mcmahon like to do that you know like it, it, and that's kind of why i feel like they're low-key shopping the company around at this point because usually he doesn't like to give up his toys so lightly Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, when I think of like Bray Wyatt and just like how much money he was making on just merch for the company, yes. you know, alone, yes. that that's when it starts to look a little bit more like, yeah, he's they might be shopping the company. I out. need to see a <laughs> list of like how many wrestlers they've let go over the past year. I mean, it was only a couple months ago where they were stating, you know, there was articles out there saying, you know, 
this there's a list of 119 wrestlers since 2020 that have been released during all this like during the pandemic era so by it's WWE, crazy. right by, by wwe yeah, yeah. um it, that can't all just be due to a bunch of cuts so no. um <laughs> especially once again when these past couple of years have been the most successful you've ever been as a company so mm-hmm. uh yeah no something weird's going on i feel like but i i guess we'll just have to wait and see yeah it feels like something's going on um i wouldn't be surprised if you know some story ends up leaking in the next like couple months or so that you know there's a potential like suitor for the wwe um but we'll see we'll see oh before i forget it also came out this week that uh kyle o'reilly and jenny gargano's uh contracts are up like rather soon um and I definitely don't see like WWE making a big play to re-sign them. I mean, maybe they do like want to keep them around as kind of like pillars for NXT 2.0, but I could see both of those guys wanting to go elsewhere, honestly. Yeah. So and I wouldn't blame them because <laughs> I mean they're definitely kind of in the role of like player coach at this point on that on those shows. So, um, but yeah, no, we'll see. We'll see where they end up. I mean, I still do have a theory that we we could get the undisputed elite or something like that worth Adam Cole taking over the group after Kenny Omega loses the title. Or potentially the group turning on Adam Cole and then you have an elite versus the, you know, super click, you know, feud. Oh, yeah. I'm sure Khan like had that in mind when he signed Bobby Fish. Right. Uh-huh. It's not like those guys don't still talk to each other every day. Oh, no. Yeah. <laughs> But speaking of AEW, it came out this week that John Moxley would be entering an inpatient alcohol treatment program. Um, obviously, best of luck to him. Obviously, rightfully so, there's no time frame for his return. Um, mm-hmm. On the show itself, it kind of left a big hole for them to fill when it came to the, God damn it! what's the name of the tournament again, Christian? Championship Eliminator? Is I that think what? so. <laughs> I think it's a limited. I, I hate that like, fucking name. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, they ended up filling that hole with Miro, uh, which makes sense. Uh, you know, we'll see because it really did feel like Moxley was kind of destined to win that tournament uh, and mm-hmm. go up against like a newly crowned champion and Hangman Page. Um, it really felt like he was him and Kingston were like on their way to like turning heel. We saw Kingston get into it with Punk uh this past week on Rampage. Uh if you have not checked out that Kingston uh Brian Danielson match, do so now. Um you know, I mean, well after this episode. But I mean, definitely check that <laughs> out. Uh, do yourself a favor cuz that was definitely one of my matches of the year. I fucking love that match. Amazing. So, uh I I need more of that. But anyway, with Miro kind of taking Moxley's spot, do you feel like Miro's going to end up winning the tournament now? I think, I mean, I definitely think he has a high chance of winning the tournament since you, if if Paige were to win the world title, that would be the perfect foil for him. But, you know, is it too soon in their eyes for Miro? Is it a big enough? It might be too soon for Brian, though, too. And yeah, is it a big enough name for Paige's first, you know, program? Um, meaning like, is it going to attract enough eyes, you know, to the program? Mm-hmm. Um, cause they have been kind of like faltering when it comes to the ratings. I mean, part of that's because I believe they're not, or they're going live on the West coast right now, I believe, 
which means that they're airing at like five o'clock. So they're not even in prime time. So the ratings are just going to naturally be down. But at the same time, I, I don't know if that's all the reason why the ratings are kind of mm-hmm. altering. like, I feel like they've kind of like coasted with all the big, like, you know, names they just recently required. So I feel like they've kind of been like, I don't know, coasting recently with all the big names that they acquired. Um, And they haven't developed enough like storylines for them. Uh, So you want like a huge challenger for Paige to go up against. Um, mm-hmm. and Moxley was definitely the right guy, I feel like. But now that he's out of the picture, unfortunately, do you feel like Daniel Bryan might be the better pick? Like, I don't like I mean, the idea of like babyface versus babyface. Mm-hmm. But is Miro kind of like enticing enough for like a new audience? Because that's what you're trying to do. You're trying to attract a new audience. I mean, Brian's obviously the bigger name. I and I, but I enjoy everything that we get yes. out of Miro. I want to see Miro win it, win the title. But, but like, no, 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 not the title, not the title. I was right like, off God, the way. give Paige but, a chance, Christian. <laughs> that'd be a great twist, though. Like, Paige loses his first, you know, title defense. Yes, I, I don't know. <laughs> It'd be a terrible yeah, payoff right? to everything, but. <laughs> See him chase after Miro. I feel Ugh. like Paige is kind of like the first pure baby face to be holding that title, if you think about it. Because, I mean, yeah, Moxley was a baby face, but, you know, attitude wise, he feels more of a, you know, almost tweener. You know, mm-hmm. and then you had what, Jericho and Omega. So, and they were both. Yeah. He would be the yeah. first. Yeah. So, and he's super over. So I feel like the sky's the limit when it comes to like how far he could take his title reign um i just want him to get off on the right foot uh and moxley felt like the perfect guy for that uh but hopefully miro can do it too because i do feel like miro's gonna end up winning somehow um you know because i don't foresee him suffering another loss you know after losing the uh, tnt belt to sammy and you know brian has no problem you know taking a loss here you know, if it's what's best for the storyline, because then if, you know, Omega does lose the title, he could just jump into a program with Omega, you know, for like just the pride exactly. of being like the best in the world, honestly. But I mean, back to your question, is is Brian the bigger draw and should people want to I mean, and should they want to book Brian instead just because of ratings wise? Maybe. <laughs> I mean, if they're that concerned about ratings, then maybe they do do that. I just, mm-hmm. I hope it's not to the detriment of Hangman's, you know, run. Yes. That, that's my only concern. So, because you really are still trying to establish him as a, a huge star for AEW, and I, and I feel like he has that potential. And you've got to give it to, you know, to Tony Khan. He's done a great job of, you know, building these younger stars. Um, and I feel like, Page, even though he had an established name before he came to AEW, is a great example of that. Punk did do a promo early on about uh, Moxley and Kingston and everything that's going on in his situation. The only thing I didn't like about that was that he like was stating, oh, I wanted to put myself in that position. It, it felt a little weird because he's like, 
oh, I wanted to be in this tournament, but you know, I have some you know, some leftovers work with Kingston. I was like, eh, okay. I know what you're saying. I'm I'm of two minds with that because I was glad that they gave an excuse of why Punk wasn't in the tournament, um, but at the same time, it just felt like they. I don't know. It felt like a way to get like cheap heat on Kingston. You know, like, mm-hmm. oh, Kingston's the reason why I'm out in the tournament. You guys should definitely boo him. I was like, Kingston's so over right now. <laughs> uh-huh. Like, regardless of, like, the temper tantrum they, like he threw after the match, that ending with him, like, you know, flipping off, you know, uh, Danielson, you know, while he passes out. I mean, that's such a fucking baby face way for him to lose the match. It was totally like Stone Cold uh, versus uh, Hart at WrestleMania 13. It's the same type deal. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. I feel like the crowd is definitely going to be a little bit torn when it comes to those two. Like even with like Kingston being pushed as a heel. So they definitely have their work cracked out. For Either way, the promos that those two could do oh against God. each other would be fantastic. Yeah, and they have a history together. I just hope they go the mile. So, mm-hmm. yeah, no, I'm looking forward to it. I'm, I'm hoping this isn't just another one of those one and done type deals. Like, I want multiple mm-hmm. matches. I want this to be kind of a, like a couple month program at least. Because I feel like that's what they've missed with a lot of like their new like acquired talent. Like, they're not putting them in like meaningful like storylines just yet. I mean, you had, you know brian going up against omega but i feel like that's kind of like fallen to the wayside because of page's return uh and then punk has just been kind of like you know mr rampage you know wrestling random matches against people on the show and you remember we thought he was going to have a program with team taz and that kind of all just went to the wayside so i mean he's just kind of like wrestling younger mid-card talent on and there's nothing wrong with that because he's definitely like you know putting those guys over in them losing but at the same time people want to see a story like they want a storyline wrestling's great and i love watching it but like a mainstream audience they need a little bit of a storyline also um, to really like you know captivate them and get them to tune in every week i mean a great way to tie everything together would be to have eddie kingston get help from team taz you could have ricky starks rush the ring and then have him join them for a little while especially with moxley out for that's, now you know they're not going to be working that's together. not a bad idea honestly i mean mm-hmm. I, I feel like they both have a similar like promo style so i'd i'd be all for that Well, that does it for this week. That's right, and as a friendly reminder, if you're listening to us on your favorite podcast platform, remember to subscribe, rate, and give us a five-star review. Exactly. It sure does help an independent podcast like ours continue to grow. And while you're at it, make sure to tell a friend. Plus, if you like any of the stories we talked about on this week's episode, make sure to check us out on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter to catch the full articles, trailers, memes, and more. That's right. You can follow us at Amazing Nerd Show on all social media platforms. And hey, if you're looking for extra content, make sure to catch our streams every weekend on Twitch, plus YouTube videos Monday through Friday. Want to support the show further? 
you can head over to tpublic.com and get yourself some amazing Nerd Show merch. We've got t-shirts, hoodies, stickers, and more. And if you post what you bought and tag us on social media, we'll send you some additional nerd swag if you live in the United States. Well, all right, David, what are we talking about next week? Well, Christian, the next chapter of the MCU is finally here, and that means we're going to be reviewing the film The Eternals. And of course, we'll talk all the latest happenings in wrestling and see who WWE fires next. My name's Christian. <laughs> That's horrible. And my name's <laughs> David. But true, and, probably. <laughs> and that was The Amazing Nerd Show. Yeah!